Reflections with Marilyn Baker. Brought to you by Torch Trust, the Christian organization with a vision for people with sight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Reflections Christmas Special Podcast. I'm Grace Davis, and I'm the producer of the Reflections radio show with Marilyn Baker. This episode is a longer-than-usual special episode that was first aired on RNIB Connect Radio on Christmas morning 2016. It's full of interviews, readings and festive joy. Unfortunately, due to copyright reasons, we have had to remove all copyrighted songs. So now, sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy our show. Reflections with Marilyn Baker. Brought to you by Torch Trust, the Christian organization with a vision for people with sight loss. Merry Christmas and a very warm welcome to this extra special festive episode of Reflections, the show from Torch Trust that focuses on faith and disability in today's world. I'm your host, Marilyn Baker, and I'll be with you for a whole hour on this most wonderful morning, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the message that's ringing out across the world today, a message of which we are ever thankful We'll be taking a look at the story of the Nativity today, but first, let's have a little preview of what's coming up on our show. I'll be speaking with Pete Windmill from Prospects, all about how they support adults with learning disabilities, what they're doing especially for Christmas, and how the festive season can be tricky for some people in particular. Our producer, Grace Davis, finds out what author, pastor and speaker Jeff Lucas makes of the Christmas season and how he'll be spending the day. Torch's own Paul Rhodes will be sharing some of his very best tips and tricks for tasty Christmas feasts and I'll be talking about my own experiences in the kitchen. But first, I'd like to welcome a very special guest who is here to tell us all about Christmas in Africa. This is Lapsam Mbewe from Malawi. Friends, I'm delighted to welcome today amongst us Lapsam Mbewe. Uh, Lapsam is a good friend of Torch. Uh, Lapsam comes from Malawi, where he heads up the Redemptive Ministries. But also uh, Lapsam is a trustee of Torch in Malawi. So uh, Lapsam is uh, very much no stranger to the work of Torch and helps there in the ministry out in Malawi. Lapson, it's good to have you with us. Why uh, are you in the UK at the moment? I came just to visit brothers and sisters in the UK and just also to say and to thank them for praying for the work in Malawi. What happens at Christmas time in Malawi? It's a mixture thing. Christmas in Malawi, in most people who are saved, it is something which brings joy, knowing that it is because of the birth of Jesus Christ which brought them back to the Heavenly Father. We celebrate Christmas in a different way as you would celebrate it here, because 
since I came here last two or three weeks ago, I've been seeing a lot of things happening. Uh, Christmas trees, people having meals, etc., etc. It's not like that in, in Malawi. I was just saying yesterday that in Malawi, because of the, the poverty which is in Malawi, people this time around, those who can manage, they'll go and find a peace work. That's people from church. They'll work, raise some money. Uh, on the 24th of December, that's Christmas Eve, the church will come together and they'll have uh, prayers throughout the night until the 25th. And they'll have a meal together, celebrate, and they break something around 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 12 or 1 to go to their respective homes. As for the those people who doesn't know the Lord, they'll celebrate Christmas in their own way. They'll go to the pubs, as my brothers were saying here. <laughs> they'll dance the whole night. They'll dress in a special way. But what is important is at a Christmas day, one, whether be it a believer or not a believer, would want to do something special, like having a special meal, dressing in a special way. Those who are going to manage. Thank you. Okay, so it's... It's, it's a special day then for people both in the church and outside of the church. Exactly, yes. It is a special day. Okay. Sure. And do people exchange gifts at all in any way? Um, I wouldn't say yes, but the only way how they will exchange gifts is like maybe they will invite their friends for a meal yep. if there was something to eat. But not necessarily like what I've seen here is exchanging cards or, or Christmas greetings, all those things are not popular in, in, in Malawi. But like inviting a, maybe a friend to come for a meal, that would happen in, in, in a Christmas day. Excellent. Now, English is not your first language, although it's very good. Uh, what, what is your first language? Chichewa. So in Chichewa, if we were to say Happy Christmas to somebody, what... Or what would be the typical greeting then at Christmas time in Chichewa? Christmas Yabuino. Christmas Yabuino. Shall we try that? Christmas Yabuino. Yabuino. Yeah, Yabuino, yes. Yabuino, yes. Yabuino. Yes. Excellent. So you are going back in a few days, so you will spend Christmas with your family. So what will Christmas Day be like for you in your household? Oh, I have a house which has got a lot of people. So I wouldn't say in my household, meaning myself, my wife and my daughters, but I will say it in a, as a church, as a family. On the 24th, no, starting from on the, on the 22nd, we will have a youth retreat meeting. All the youth from the churches around in Malawi, from my area, they'll come for a retreat from 24th to, I mean, from 27th to 24th. Then the church will come on the 24th for this Christmas Eve. So we'll have a meal together. We have also invited our brothers and sisters who are blind. They'll come on the 24th, will come with us together the whole night and have a meal together for them on the 25th. Will you take back our greetings? to your uh, friends and family and the folks in the church there? Will you wish them Merry Christmas 
in English, but also will you wish them Merry Christmas in Chichewa? If you ask me so, I'll do. Please will you do so. Okay, I'll do then. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bless you too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now let's hear part of that wonderful story from so long ago. This is David Suchet's reading of the NIV Bible from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. be hearing more of this reading later in the show. It's a great tale, isn't it? And hearing it always makes me wonder, how did the people involved feel about what was going on? What did they make of it all? We're so used to hearing the nativity that I think it can be all too easy to forget that there were real ordinary people involved. Mary was just a young girl who, as far as we can know, had lived a pretty normal life before the appearance of the angel Gabriel. I'm reminded of that wonderful line from later in the Gospel of Luke. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It really makes you think about how she saw the events that were unfolding. Now we can never really know what might have been running through Mary's mind on that day, but here is a reading from Grace Davis that imagines what some of her thoughts could have been. He is tiny, perfect. I can't stop staring at him. He is mine, ours. And yet, well, he isn't. Already my child has a destiny far greater than anything I could have imagined. And as much as I may believe it, I can't say I understand it or completely like it. 
Part of me doesn't want to let him have anything to do with this great challenge that lies before him. I want to shout, no, he's mine, my child, to protect, keep safe, love. I close my eyes and see again the face of the Lord's angel, the messenger who changed everything. It's funny, a year ago I would have laughed at anyone who told me I would be chosen to even glimpse an angel. Things like that don't happen to people like me. And yet, here we are. Everything the angel had said has happened. I believed him immediately, the angel. I don't know why or how, but I knew it was all true. Looking over at Joseph now, I marvel that he stayed beside me, taken all this on faith. He seems so calm, but I can't imagine what's going through his mind right now. Maybe he's in shock. I know I am. My child stirs, and I reach down to stroke his head and whisper, Shh, it's all right. You're safe. I know that's a promise I won't always be able to make to him. Neither that nor an easy life, a normal life. All I can really promise is our love. it's about time we heard from another of our guests. Let's go now to our recent Skype chat with Pete Windmill from Prospects. Hello Pete, it's great to have you here. Um, Now I'd like to ask you some questions in particular. We do know that for people who have extra special needs it can be stressful time for them at Christmas can't it and their families. So tell us a bit about why this might be. Okay, well, good morning, Marilyn, and it, it's so good to, to spend time with you like this. But, you know, we, we sometimes overreact. We overreact because we think, oh, well, because a person's got uh, different needs from other people, that, um, well, we don't know how to cope with that. But I would say look at the individual, look at the person as a person, not as an object. Mm. And for so many people, Christmas is difficult, whether you have additional needs or not, because of the changes, lots of people around, the noise, flashing lights. What are these Christmas trees with things on them? And all of those things can add to difficult times. Think of families where, you know, the the aunt and the uncle turn up and... Uh, a child in the family might be young or old, be a child or an adult child. When suddenly these strange people are rushing up to you, wanting to give you a hug and a kiss. Mm. And it's like, whoa, whoa hold on. Who, who's this? Mm. And we need to respect people's space, whoever they are, mm. and not assume that everybody will be okay. I mean, some of us prefer our own company to to being in with lots of other people. I'm not like that, by the way. But uh, <laughs> some people much prefer to be alone. And so Christmas can be hugely, hugely stressful. But aloneness can be quite a difficult thing, can't it, for people at Christmas? 
I mean, to support people in their own homes is wonderful, but living alone can be difficult for anybody, can't it? I mean, some people do like their own space, but some find it difficult actually to be alone. Yes, that's true as well. But loneliness is one of the biggest killers as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that goes for human beings full stop. But, you know, I think of many of my friends who have a learning disability, additional needs, who crave to have somebody who's a friend who isn't paid to be there. Yes, I can really understand that. Um, Not just a member of staff or someone that's coming in as a carer. They want someone to love them for just who they are and be a real friend. Absolutely. And, you know, I I often get um, people saying to me, Pete, will you be my friend? And I now know to receive that in the way that it's meant not just necessarily I want to be your friend, but I want somebody who wants to be with me, not because they're paid to be with me. That's right. And so even when you have a paid carer, they only come in often for a few hours, if that, a day, Mm. and then you're all alone. And I know there are many schemes around the country with different agencies where – volunteers are encouraged to be to go and you know knock on the door to have a chat to get to know people but never ever forget that when we're talking about learning disability we're often talking about vulnerable people who need to know that they are safe absolutely very very important so i mean as Christmas comes around, what could people do if they have a family member who is likely to experience like sensory overload from Christmas, you know, all the noise and the lights and everything? It's preparing, isn't it? It's helping people to know what will happen in advance of time. Um, Christine, my wife and I moved into this house just over three years ago and we found out that uh, one of our neighbours, their son, has autism and uh, at Christmas time, we invite all the neighbours in to come and spend time with us. But our neighbours who have their son who has autism, they came on their own and we said, oh, you could have brought the children. And I said, well, Pete, don't, don't forget, um, he does have autism and it would be a bit strange. And I said, well, that's all right. Bring him around some other time when he can meet us without all the crowds. And hey, last Christmas... Um, they all came in mm. and we, we were able to together to enjoy Christmas. But he'd been helped to be prepared for what was coming. That's and right. That, Preparing is very important. I mean, the change in routine can really upset people. So this preparation is very important, isn't it? It can overwhelm people. Mm. No, that's right. I mean, I know um, some of the groups that are linked with prospects who... They're involved in their church services as well as the groups. And, I mean, that's what we would absolutely encourage, uh, that people are part of the body of Christ, whoever they are. And I know that if services are going to be slightly different, like with Christmas, then they spend a lot of time in preparing people for going into that different environment. And that is so important and so helpful. Yeah, so they're not uh, afraid, are they? They're still feeling safe. Yes. That's the key, isn't it? So, and what will prospects be actually doing this Christmas? I mean, what happens in your regional centres? Well, in, in, in our um, homes where people are supporting the homes, there'll be Christmas decorations up, there'll be um, encouragement, 
with parties and all sorts of things. And obviously some will be away for Christmas, going to be with their mums and their dads and their uncles and their aunts, just like everybody else. Um, but one of the things we're really flagging up as a charity generally this year, um, you probably remember Marilyn and many of the viewers will too, that we had an Ability Sunday. We've done a couple of years of that now. Yes. Um, well, the little bonus to the one that happened this year is actually to have a, a scripture verse from Isaiah 9, one of the great Christmas uh, passages, to actually be read by people with learning disabilities or signed by people with learning disabilities that you can watch in your homes, but you can also share in carol services up and down the land as well. And I know quite a few that are doing that. Mm. And um, you can go online and, and download that uh, today and uh, have that in your services as well. But that's our contribution, if you like, to encouraging people to think about others this Christmas. Mm. Fantastic. And I'm sure that a lot of people with these extra needs and learning disabilities have a real living faith, don't they? Uh, do you know, I think if, if anybody goes to our website and downloads that video of the reading with Isaiah 9, you can see the faith just oozing out of people. That's a horrible term, but um, they're communicating their faith, whether it's through words, through signs, through visual expression. Um, it's all there and all part of it. And that's the privilege that we have and have done in, in prospects of 40 years of sharing the good news in a simpler and accessible way with people so that they can make a decision for themselves, so that they can be discipled and grown in their faith, so that they too can live out their life with Jesus at the centre and demonstrating and showing that to others around them. Yes, Jesus becoming their friend. It's a faith from yeah. the heart. It's not an intellectual faith. It's a faith of the heart. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Pete. And we wish you and your family a really wonderful Christmas day. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about what prospects and livability, as you're all one now, are yeah. doing in 2017. Lovely. Thank you ever so much. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. And may Jesus be at the heart of all that you do. God bless you all. Thanks, Pete. Well, now we're going to play a bit of the audio of the reading that Pete talked about. God will give us a son. Who be will be responsible for leaving the people. His name will be Wonderful Counter. Powerful God. Father who lives forever. Prince of Peace. His power will deserve God. There will be peace without end. This will establish him as the King. Satan on Gabriel Brown. Rule in his kingdom. He, he will, will recognize and that's it. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. I love that process so much.
And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Reflections Christmas Special from Torch Trust. And we've got plenty more festive features coming up for you. So now, let's welcome Paul Rhodes into the studio. Hi, Paul. Great to have you with us. Now, um, I believe your dad was a chef. Yeah, he was uh, for a little while. Never uh, never as his main job. Always no. a second job. So he was pastor of a church uh, while I was growing up. So he always he always cooked, cooked in the church, cooked for other churches as well. Picked yeah. up a few tricks of the trade, did I, you? Indeed I have. Though my mother had told me they were all from her. Oh, <laughs> there you are, yes. Well, what do you cook for Christmas dinner? Uh, I mean, is it traditional or something more exotic? Is it definitely traditional. Oh. I, I like turkey. There, there have been a few other things that have made it to the plate on Christmas Day, uh, but I'm a, a fan of turkey. So how do you plan the day for your Christmas dinner? Uh, well, I always plan my, my day around church on Christmas Day. Um, church is very important to me. My faith uh, is very important. And Christmas Day, I plan my whole day around, around church and then dinner. Well, you know, that's very commendable because if someone had asked me that question, I might have said that I plan my day around the dinner. <laughs> but I, you see, the thing is, I, I go to a midnight service, so we don't uh, manage to get to a morning service, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many do you have coming? Because yeah. we have guests. We often have people who perhaps don't have anywhere to go particularly, and we all have some fun together. Is it just family yeah. for you? Uh, on Christmas Day, generally, yes, it is. But we have, uh, we've invited friends around where we've had friends that have been on their own. Mm. Uh, and like I say, we used to cook on my dad used to cook on Christmas Day as well and we'd me, me and my brothers I've got two brothers uh, and we, we'd help and we'd um, help him and then after after sing carols afterwards of course as well yeah so uh, on Christmas Day um, you know some people are very much on their own aren't they so some churches run a Christmas dinner did your dad ever do that yeah he did when he was uh, cooking for a local Anglican church St Peter's I believe it was called um, he we used to cook on Christmas Day and like I say, me and my brothers would help and we'd sing carols afterwards. But yeah, we, we used to cook. So there was a lot of people that he cooked th- for through the year, through the weeks, uh, that were on their own on Christmas Day. Yes, uh, and so they, so they, they got invites, did they? You got them yeah, all together? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as I recall, there was about 25, 25 people that used to used to come along. Me and my brothers would wait the tables and I'd say we used to wash up, but I'm not, I don't remember that. I might have blocked it from my memory. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been you, a you lot of it. Done, yes. uh, but yeah, but it was, it was always fun it was always it was always fun singing the carols as well uh, at the end my, my older brother played the keyboard so he'd, he'd play and, and we'd all sing I think that's a very special thing for people mm. um, we're going to have a Christmas dinner um, but at my house not on Christmas day actually we're going to have it for people who love to come who don't have um anywhere to go we're having about 20 and ours is only a little house you know we're not yeah, talking about a church yeah. hall yeah and so we'll be very very busy um yeah, very busy. just you know in the next day or two yeah know. no that's good it's quite an undertaking for us because um of course i am blind and my friend is deaf and partially sighted so mm. we, we have to get up very early and we start yeah. it all off and um in this particular case because i mean having a whole turkey for us even though we've got enough people for a whole turkey you know, deboning and, and sort of carving yeah. is difficult. So we actually, in this case, buy turkey joints. Okay. And um, I actually cheat a little bit. Um, we actually buy frozen sprouts. That's naughty, but it's the peeling of the sprouts, really, <laughs> yeah, and everything yeah. that's a bit much. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
I like to make my own stuffing and, you know, I just like to vary a bit. I'm a composer, you see. I, I compose yeah. songs. And so I think perhaps I do a little bit of the old creative yeah. uh, stuff when it comes to the cooking. And if something smells nice, I just add a bit of extra herb in here and there. But yeah. again, yeah. you know, we have to be careful. So I do think some people think, you know, I mean, one person even said to us, did you buy this? Is it like a ready meal? And I said, mm. no. I said, we, we cooked it all for you, you yeah. know, and... Yeah. Uh, uh, they sort of say, oh, we couldn't do that ourselves. Well, we just love doing it, but it does take us a long time. And at the end of the day, we are very tired. You know, it's taken us all day and yeah, clearing yeah. up at the end, but we love it. So we know you do traditional cooking, but what's one of the most unusual Christmas dinners you've ever cooked? The, the most unusual by far was out in Albania. I was out there for 10 months uh, working with a charity. I, I'm, a, I'm a farmer by trade is what I did when I left mm. school. And I, I went out uh, to Albania in 2000 to help uh, set up a farm. We were out there over Christmas, and I decided to do Christmas dinner for everybody. Have they uh, ever had that before? Like? No, they, they, they hadn't. Not, not as we do it. Uh, <laughs> certainly not as we do it. So I, I bought a turkey, uh, and we reared that up. We, we fattened Well, you reared it, it yourself? Yeah, yeah we, we, we grew it a little bit. Uh, and we had a couple of cockerels as well uh, that we used. We, we um, killed and prepared them on Christmas Eve. Cool, that was uh, fresh. <laughs> it was very fresh. I won't go into the details uh, either. It's probably not suitable. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was very interesting uh, to do all of that, so plucking them and whatever. Uh, so we didn't have all the vegetables that I'd normally have. We had potatoes, so I did roast potatoes and mashed potatoes, and uh, we had carrots. What about gravy? Uh, yeah, I did gravy. They, they thought gravy was very odd. Uh, none of them wanted the gravy at all. Uh, really? to, yeah, to put a sauce on your dinner was not something any of them did. Uh, but yeah, but I had to use two ovens uh, to, to cook for everybody. It was about 18 people. The electricity over there back then wasn't very common, let's say. You'd have it for about four hours in the day, but you never knew which four hours they were going to be. So it came on and off as it chose. Uh, so I used a couple of generators to power the ovens and, and broke both the generators oh, in the process because the ovens actually were a little bit too big. <laughs> they had two kilowatt generators. Uh, generators and it was two and a half kilowatts. But you did actually manage to get it hot we enough got to it, Got it all cooked, eat. got it all cooked and yeah and it was a, it was a lovely dinner it was nice to be able to do it uh, for them out there and for them to experience something different. I was just very disappointed that they didn't like the gravy. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, one that I'm sure they'll never forget. No, I, I hope not. <laughs> and, and how do you cook it? I mean you know tell us the process of cooking Ooh, for you. Well it's, it's it takes me all day <laughs> pretty much. I, I start we, we get up very early in my house uh, yeah. it's more for me because I get a bit excited about the presents mm -hmm. uh, so we're normally up around half five uh, we, we get the presents opened uh, by about half six normally wow. um, and then I and then I cook and then I cook breakfast so oh, once you cook breakfast oh, as yeah, well yeah, absolutely I, it's just generally me and my son that eat that but yeah but once all that's done then it, then I get then I get the turkey in uh, mm -hmm. So I, I've normally prepped all the vegetables on Christmas Eve, uh, do them the night before. Now, that's a very good idea. Now, do you yeah. ever cook your turkey with water? I mean, some people put water in the pan yeah, with the turkey. Yeah, I, I, I don't. What I do is I tend to put um, vegetables in the bottom of the tray. I get a big tray, uh, I, normally a, a disposable one, so I can throw it away afterwards. I don't want to have to try and clean it. But I, I fill the bottom of it with vegetables, potatoes, carrots, parsnips, a bit of onion uh, as well, maybe a bit of garlic in the bottom. And I put the turkey on top of that uh, so it gets the moisture from the vegetables uh, and then I seal the whole thing in foil. Now that uh, sounds so a very good idea keep actually. It, keep it all sealed uh, throughout the cooking and then cook it quite slowly. So it goes in probably about seven in the morning 
uh, the turkey goes in and I cook it through till about 12 o'clock. I mean, so what's happened to the vegetables by then? They wouldn't be just roasted, would no, they? No, They'd no, be... no, no. The, ve- uh, the vegetables and the turkey, uh, I tend to not use them. No. Uh, they're, they're surplus to requirement. Uh, generally, they're but just... But they've added the flavour, haven't added they? Added a flavour, absolutely. I also put um, an orange and a lemon, I slice it in half and put that in the cavity of the turkey. And do you stuff uh, it with well. anything else? No, or? I don't stuff no. my turkey. I always make the stuffing separately and cook that separately as well. And what do you um, use, um, a packet mix, or do you actually would, make your stuffing? No, so I get some sausage meat. Uh, and make my own breadcrumbs which is quite easy to do really with bread mm. uh, and then um, a bit of sage and a bit of onion and sometimes uh, I've only done it a couple of times a, a little bit of apple as well just give it, make it a little bit sweet very good um, this is yeah, giving us some that. good ideas well I hope so well I think really you've described your food so well it makes me think I might even pop into you on Christmas well, you, day and you, see what I get <laughs> you're, you're very welcome <laughs> unfortunately I'm up in mum and dad's this year yeah, right. <laughs> there you are but I, yeah, I've yeah. got the experts cooking again this year oh, yeah well, I think we'll hear all about it after. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to come and tell you all yeah, about thanks it. Thanks very, say. very much, Paul. We do hope you have a lovely Christmas day and that the church service is all that you hope for it oh, as well. Thank you very much and I yeah. wish you a Merry Christmas. Too. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. Now let's hear a little more of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Hallelujah! 
Now, earlier in the show, we heard what one author imagined could be the thoughts of Mary as she looked at her baby boy. But I wonder what her husband Joseph might have made of the situation. Here's a piece by James Brookman, which imagines just that. All right. This is weird. I didn't understand what was going on before, and now I understand even less. Despite my better judgment, I went along with the whole I've just found myself pregnant thing, and we ended up last night in the living nightmare of Mary giving birth in the middle of nowhere. But strangely, it was okay. Mary was okay, and the baby, Jesus, he was okay. And then some very excited shepherds turned up. I say turned up, but there was no chance involved. They came directly and specifically to see the baby, our baby. And I say excited, but these shepherds were bursting at the seams, like they'd had an encounter with God himself. They said an angel had just told them our baby was the saviour of the world, the Messiah. Six months ago, I met an angel in a dream who said our baby would be the saviour of the world. That was why we called him Jesus. Oh dear, this is weird. I'm not sure I'm up for this. I think we have time for just one more guest today. So let's go over to our producer, Grace Davis, who recently sat down with author, pastor and speaker, Jeff Lucas, to find out how he spends his Christmas. Merry Christmas, Jeff. Thank and you. to you. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Delighted. I was wondering, what does a typical Christmas look like in the Lucas household? Typical Christmas would really be right now focused around our wonderful grandchildren. Of course, everybody who's a grandparent thinks that their grandkids are stunning. Um, but it will be a fairly a frenetic time of um, opening presents and eating way too much food. But hopefully in the middle of all of that, not forgetting what this Christmas is really all about, uh, which of course is this Jesus who has come to this messed up world to messed up people like all of us and brought not just a message of hope but real rescue. So integrating all of that um, together um, with, uh, uh, with some good family fun, it will, that's, that's what our day will look like. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, in this show, we're thinking about the, how the true Christmas message can be open and accessible to everyone, um, just as, as we sort of seek to make Christianity itself accessible. As a pastor and as a speaker, what are your thoughts on this and, and how do you think this sort of very ancient tale can be relevant and engaging year after year? I, mean, I think it's a really good question that you're asking, Grace, because the reality is that the Christmas story is so familiar that familiarity doesn't breed contempt, but it, the impact of the message, it, 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 it can be lost. It doesn't hit us in the same way that it should. I think somehow as I hear about, for example, um, blind and partially sighted people feeling 
mostly a feeling of isolation, of being separated from. And the Christmas message is about a God who came to a people who felt separated from their destiny, separated from their God. And the Christmas message is about a God who doesn't say, find your way in the darkness to me, but rather comes through the darkness to us. I think if we can present the message in that kind of language, but also back that up in the way that we're presenting the message and making sure that as far as it's possible, church is accessible to those for whom often church is inaccessible in the language that we use, in the resources that we provide, then not only are we talking about the wonder of the God who comes running to us, but we are demonstrating that by our good practice. And that's one of the reasons why both Kay and I totally believe in the work and ministry of the Torch Trust, because it's embodying that incarnational message. This is not just do-goodism. This is not just being nice to people. This is reflecting the values of the kingdom where the God of righteousness wants everything to be right. And it is right that those who are on the outside feel welcome to come on in. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, looking forward now to next year, um, I hear that you and your wife, Kay, are leading a tour of Israel. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we are. We, uh, we've done this over a, a number of years, trip to the Holy Land. We spend a week there and... It's a wonderful way of locating yourself in the biblical narrative. You'll never experience the Bible in the same way again because the sights and the smells and the sounds of the Holy Land are there. But it's also an opportunity both to hear the Jewish perspective on the situation there in the Middle East and then go into Bethlehem and hear from Palestinian Christians and hear their view and come away the best way I can describe it, Grace, is prayerfully messed up and realizing that these situations are fairly complex, very complex. So um, we would love listeners to uh, come along with us on this trip. If you go to www.jefflucas.org, that's jefflucas.org, there are details there about the two trips that we're doing in 2017. And there's still space right now. Okay, brilliant. And is that in March is the first one? It's in March, and then we're doing another one at the end of April, beginning of May. Okay. And they're seven-day seven trips. Brilliant. Oh, that sounds excellent. So finally, what do you personally look forward to most about Christmas? Well, I suppose I touched on it before, but um, for me now, I, I love being around family. Our, our family... Our son lives in Washington, D.C., and our, our daughter, son-in-law, and grandsons are living in the south of England. So it's difficult for us to all be together as a family, but family is really important. But when we are in the U.K., um, and when we're awake enough to do it, to be honest, uh, the midnight service at our local church, which is beautifully lit by candles and tiki torches, to wander down that lane and gather with people. And actually, I was always a bit confused about it, Grace, that on Christmas Eve that people would take communion. I thought, why, why are you jumping to Easter <laughs> when we're in Christmas? But actually, the more I've reflected on it, the more it makes sense that Christmas and Easter are theologically, biblically bound together totally 
because you see, this Jesus doesn't just come as a helpless baby. I think if we're not careful, we can, we can try and keep him in that compartment. But the Christmas event says he came, the Easter event says he died, and now he is risen and coming again. And we need to pull all of that together. And so remembering that truth, because we often forget we should remember and remember what we should forget, allowing our hearts and minds to be stirred by that again, it really is what Christmas is all about. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Well, we're about out of time on this very special episode of Reflections. We wish you a wonderful Christmas and may the hope, joy and promise of the true message of Christmas be with you now and always. If you'd like to leave a comment, ask a question or make a suggestion about the show, then please do get in touch on 0333 123-1255 or email info at torchtrust.org We'd love to hear from our listeners. We'll be back next week for a New Year's Day special. So until then, from me, Marilyn, from Grace, Ildi and everyone on the Reflections team, goodbye, 
God bless and Merry Christmas. Reflections from Torch Trust.